Thanks, Liam. Okay, guys, let's read. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sins, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will, will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification oh. and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's been a while since I've preached. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm Rob. I'm one of the pastors, uh, and it's exciting. It's been a while since I've got to... Uh, do this, and I'm excited for this passage. It's a really good one. Uh, and I want to lead with something a little to the side. Uh, I want to share with you that recently uh, I did a personality test. I don't know if you've ever done one before. I think they can be a little bit of fun. Uh, there's a whole bunch out there. Some give you letters. Uh, some give you fancy words like phlegmatic or sanguine. Uh, but the very best ones, in my opinion, are the ones that give you an animal. Uh, I always hope to get something strong and fierce, you know, like a wolf or a bear. Uh, and I even, I think, subconsciously answer the questions looking for that, you know, the, 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 what's the, the fierce wolf-like answer of these possible questions. Uh, but for me, it never really works out the way that I hope it will. I took one just this week. I thought, I'm talking about this. I'll, I'll take one so I can share with you the results. And here is what I got. Not a wolf, not a bear, not even an angry koala. I got a butterfly. How disappointing is that? Now, I've done a heap of different ones over the years. And, of course, uh, you do need to take them with a grain of salt. Uh, but once you get past the silliness of the animals, I think they can actually be a really useful thing. Uh, it, it, it gives you some insight into the kind of person that you are. It helps you to think about how do I relate to other people. Uh, they can be a powerful tool, I think, to speak into the parts of our lives uh, where we might have become blinded, the, the bits we might be missing. Well, in today's passage, it's not a personality test, uh, but we do have something that will help us assess how we're going in the way that we're relating to God. Uh, there are only two possible types in this little test, uh, only two that we can fit into. One is Adam uh, and one is Jesus. 
And where you fit has some pretty significant consequences in your life. Uh, We're going to take the test today, uh, and as we work through the passage, it will consider us to uh, force us to to consider what traits we carry of each, Adam and Jesus. Uh, As we do that, I want to encourage you to slow down a little bit. Uh, There's a Christian phenomenon, I think, that, that when we're given a choice between two types, like we are in this passage today, uh, we'll immediately assume that we're in the right one. Uh, and, and so uh, I think a, a little bit not unlike the personality test where we immediately assume we're the bear uh, and not the butterfly. Uh, as you heard, the, the types today are Adam and Jesus. And you probably very quickly jumped to the assumption that, well, I fit in the Jesus category. Uh, and, of course, that's likely to be true. Uh, but the danger when we skip ahead Uh, is that we might switch off to the things that we need to hear, Uh, that we might miss the chance for this passage to speak powerfully into our lives, uh, into the parts of our lives that we've become blinded to. Uh, Because there are hard things, I think, in this passage, Uh, some some things that I I suspect many of us will struggle to grapple with. Uh, But we want to be people who hear God's word and accept it, uh, who believe it. Uh, however hard that might be. And so I want to encourage you to switch on uh, as we work through this stuff uh, to give yourself an honest assessment uh, as we think through these two types. Uh, And as we do it, uh, we're going to keep it pretty simple. And the first thing we'll see is the Adam type. Uh, So we explore uh, all that it says about being in Adam, uh, being a a follower of him. Uh, Next we'll see Jesus, the Jesus type, what it looks like to fit into that category. Uh, and we'll see how he's same, same, but also very different. Uh, and lastly, uh, like we do, uh, we'll, we'll think about how it works for us. We'll, we'll ask the question, which type are you living? Uh, which one have you been following along with? Uh, now, of course, before we do all that, I want to pray. I want to pray that God will speak through me uh, and that we'll have soft hearts. So listen, please, please join me. Lord, we, we thank you so much for the chance to once again look at your word. We thank you for this passage in Romans uh, and the truths that, are, that it gives us. Please help me uh, to speak not my wisdom or knowledge, but your truth. Uh, And as I do that, as you work through me, I pray that we'd have soft hearts, uh, that we hear the things that we need to hear, that we change as we need to, uh, that in all of it we become more and more like Jesus. And we pray it in his great name. Uh, Now, I do want to remind you uh, that, like every week, we'll have a QA and a at the end, so we'll finish the sermon, we'll have a a reflection song, and then we'll come back for a QA. and a So there's the number there. Uh, If you need to jot it down, it'll come up again later, or you can comment or speak through the Zoom as well. Uh, So as things come up, please do remember that we can can fire back some questions later. Um, As we start, uh, as we look at this text, I want to just point out something before we get into the detail of the structure of the passage. Uh, As Kylie read it, perhaps it came across a little confusing, not because of Kylie, uh, because it's it's worded a bit strangely. Uh, It's a bit of a messy uh, structure. Uh, In this passage, Paul, who's the writer, he wrote the book of Romans, uh, he's getting a bit lawyery. Uh, You'll notice he does it a lot through Romans, actually. And he starts a thought in verse 12, uh, and then he gets sidetracked. And so he he wants to show us a couple of other things in 13 to 17 before he gets back to the point he started uh, when we get to verse 18. Uh, So to give you just a bit of a a sense of that, to give us the flow of the passage and and what it's really all about, I'm going to start by reading verse 12 and then skipping ahead to 18 and 19 so we can see uh, what Paul's on about. 
Uh, so there we go. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. And then skipping ahead, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, and so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Uh, So there it becomes a bit clearer, I think, that Paul's main idea in this passage is that we've got these two representatives. Uh, They're not named in those verses, but they're Jesus uh, and Adam. Adam brought sin into the world uh, and Jesus brought righteousness. They're they're our two types. They're the the two we're going to compare. And like I said, we're going to start with the Adam type. Um, uh, The first thing we see about Adam as we start to read this passage is that it's through him that sin Uh, And therefore, death entered into the world. In fact, we read, uh, through him, death came to all people because all sinned. And perhaps as you read that or heard that, you felt a little bit rankled. Uh, The image that we get in that opening verse is that sin uh, and so death came to us because of the actions of this one man. And it's quite, goes on about it, doesn't it? Through one man, through one man. Uh, The one man being Adam, the first man, uh, God made him. Uh, and Eve put them in the garden and gave them just one rule, not to eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, And Adam chose against God, along with Eve, uh, and disobeyed, and in doing so brought sin and death into the world. Um, Now, as you read that first verse, you might be tempted to think that it's simply saying that Adam's sin was the first of many sins, that Adam sinned and everyone since has sinned just like him. Uh, and, of course, it is saying that. Uh, that's there. Uh, that's been a theme that we've seen through the book of Romans. Uh, we saw in Chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, but I want, to note, want us to notice that this passage actually goes further than that. Um, have a look at these verses. So uh, verse 15, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, many died by the trespass of one man. Verse 16, Uh, Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. Uh, Verse 17, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. Consequently, just as the one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so it was verse 18. Verse 19, uh, I know this is repetitive, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. Uh, So over and over again through this passage, we see that Adam is more than just the first of many sinners. He's actually our representative. His sin represents us and actually puts all of us into the guilty category. Uh, Now, we all confirm that by being sinners ourselves, ourselves, but it's important to recognise that because of Adam, all of us are born into sin, guilt and death. Um, now, now, just to help us think about that, I've got a little bit of an illustration uh, to see how this plays out. I'm going to go with cricket. I'm actually not much of a cricket fan, uh, but it's a helpful illustration, I think. And Nathan's probably cheering along as I say cricket. Uh, and so take a cricket team. When they go out to start a match, uh, the captain acts as their representative. Uh, if he wins the toss, He gets to choose and he chooses for the whole team. He chooses whether to bat or bowl or or field. And when he makes that decision, uh, say he chooses to field, he's making that decision for the whole team. 
as their representative. Now, you could, once the toss has happened, you could switch off the telly. You'd have probably a more peaceful day if you did. Uh, but you know that your team is going to be the one fielding. You know that before they hit the field because the representative has decided for them. You don't even have to watch it. The decision is already made. But you can also do it the other way around, can't you? You can skip the coin toss uh, and you just flick it on later on and you can see by the actions of each player as one after the other, you see them out on the field, uh, you can see which way it went, can't you? So both the representative makes the choice, but each player chooses to field along the way as well. Uh, you can see each one of them acting it out. Uh, there's sin. Adam, our representative, chose sin. Uh, he set the course for all humanity. And in one sense, you can close the Bible after Genesis 3. Uh, you can know where humanity is headed. You know what it's going to look like. Uh, sin. Uh, but it also plays out for each of us individually. Each one of us plays that sin out in our own lives. Um, now, that sound, might sound a bit rough, as we said before. It, it, it might sound like, well, you know, what has Adam done for us? He's stitched us up. Uh, but before we get too heavy-handed blaming Adam, it's good to, to realise the reality that if we sub Adam out and put any one of us in his place uh, as human, humanity's representative, all of us would make the same choice. We'd all disobey God. That's the reality. Uh, I know that's certainly true for me. It doesn't take too hard to look in the mirror to figure that out. Uh, and I think it, it kind of it rankles us a little bit because in our culture we're dominated by individualistic thinking. Uh, we hate the idea that, that we might be impacted, uh, that we might be held accountable even by someone else's wrongdoing. Uh, and in some sense, uh, as we think about it, it's a bit irrelevant, isn't it, because we all sin anyway. Um, we're all guilty in our own right, so we, we've got no one else we can really blame. But for Christians, uh, I'm making this point because it's actually really important that we recognise the impact of Adam as our representative on humanity. Because when we come to Jesus, we're actually going to see the same in reverse. Uh, it's only by Jesus representing us that we can be made righteous. Uh, if we don't accept Adam as a representative, we can't accept Jesus as a representative either. Uh, and we're going to come back, we're going to zoom a bit more in on that in point two. Uh, but it's good to acknowledge here, as we think about representatives, that it, that it goes both ways. And so it's an important thing for us to grab hold of. And uh, so we have the Adam type. Uh, and unlike in personality tests where you can start off in all sorts of different types and you don't know where you'll be, uh, the reality for all humanity is that we start off in the atom type. Uh, and through the passage, we get a pretty clear picture of what that means. Uh, in Adam or sin, uh, and we see that fleshed out throughout this passage, that sin is described through the passage in a whole bunch of different ways, different terms. Um, you get breaking a command, trespass, disobedience, uh, and there's a ton more throughout the Bible that describes sin. Uh, whatever the word we use, Paul wants us to know that sin and its resulting death has been there since the very beginning, uh, which is why he takes us on the first of the little sidetracks that we go on in verse 13 and 14. Uh, he wants to show us that a bit more clearly. Um, so have a look with me. So from verse 13. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, 
Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Uh, now, in this little sidetrack, it seems like he's anticipating an objection that, that one of the readers might give, uh, might raise. How could sin have reigned between Adam and Moses when there was no law? Uh, and at first glance, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? It, it seems like he might be saying uh, that, that it didn't. Uh, when we read that sin is not charged against anyone's account when there is no law. What does that mean? What's that getting at? Uh, but we want to look a little bit closer. Uh, and as we do, it's clear that his point is that sin and its consequence, death, were clearly present. Uh, he says uh, it was clearly in the world uh, before the law was given. And so then its consequence, death, reigned right through that time. And it's a lot like we saw way back in Chapter 1 and, and again through Chapter 2 uh, when we're told that even those without the law are still accountable for the sin that they've committed even though their sin uh, wasn't breaking a specific command. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's probably more like a few weeks ago now, time goes quick, uh, but Liam showed us that the law, what the law exists to do. You might, have, you might remember his illustration. I uh, said it's, it's a mirror rather than a ladder. Uh, the law isn't a ladder to help us climb higher, or you might say get better, get closer to perfection. I think that's often the thought that the, the law is about making us better, making us closer to acceptable for God. Um, but rather, the Bible tells us it's a mirror. It's a mirror that shows us just how sinful we are. Uh, that's the idea. Uh, it's come up again in this passage in verse 20. Uh, so let me read it. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Having the law fleshes out, fleshes out just how sinful we are. Uh, we get to see the details uh, of all the wrong that we do. Understanding that helps us to make a little bit more sense of that verse that, that seems confusing, verse 13. You remember it said, sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Prior to the law, there's no doubt that people were both sinful and guilty. We see that death reigned from Adam to Moses. But having the law meant that we could see the details. Now, if you're an accountant, which I'm not, uh, but you, if you're an accountant, you might say you can see the line items that put you in the red. You can see the, the myriad of things we've done wrong rather than just a general rebellion against God. Uh, and so here is the summary. Uh, all of us are born into the Adam type. All of us sin. Whether we have the law or not, we're all guilty. Uh, all of us stand rightly judged and condemned as sinners. And as a result, all of us face death. And left as things are in Adam, death reigns. But this passage also wants to show us a different way. Uh, if that's all there was, it would be pretty terrible news. Uh, but this passage brings us hope. A different way, a different type. So we've had the Adam type. Uh, and now we're going to see the Jesus type, a type that can move us from death to life. Um, now, you may have noticed that we get a funny little tidbit there at the end of verse 14. Uh, in it, uh, talking about Adam, uh, it said, uh, Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Now, that word pattern, uh, you might have different translations depending what your what version of the Bible you have, but, but it's hitting at the idea of an image or a, a stamp, maybe a prototype. And um, the idea is that in some ways they're the same, 
but but we're also to recognise that there's there's differences, and, and Paul's going to show us significant differences. Now, years ago, Kirsten and I went to Thailand, uh, and where we stayed, you couldn't go anywhere uh, without heading through markets, and those markets were chock full of uh, fake stuff: Ray Ban sunglasses, Rolexes, handbags, shirts, shoes. Uh, you name it, they had a copy of it. Uh, and, and if ever you asked at one of those markets, oh, is this real? They always spouted off the same line. They always had the same response. Same, same, but different. And that was kind of their code. That was their way of saying, look, they're not genuine. Hey, but they're pretty much the same thing. Uh, and, of course, uh, if you ever bought one, the reality was that they were maybe looked a little bit the same, but they were very, very different. Uh, you, you certainly wouldn't expect to get a life out of it like you might a Rolex watch. Uh, this passage shows us that there's something the same about Adam and Jesus, but there's also a whole lot of really important stuff that's very, very different. Uh, it probably doesn't surprise you. Uh, but the part uh, where we think about them as the same uh, is that they're both representatives. Both are like team captains. Uh, and both affect all of the humanity that comes after them. But Paul is very quick to make the make clear the contrast. Uh, and that's where he heads. That's uh, the next sidetrack, uh, verses 15 to 18, uh, as the second of our little sidetracks uh, before he gets back to that main point. Uh, so let's work through it. So starting at 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So we get there a whole raft of contrasts so right through. Adam was this, Jesus was that, uh, showing us these differences. Um, verse 15, uh, if you have a look, shows us that in Adam we get trespass, but in Jesus we get gift. By the trespass of one man, many die. But by the grace of one man, the gift overflows to many. See the contrast? Uh, verse 16 shows that whilst judgment follows the one man's condemnation, the gift followed the many trespasses and brings justification. Verse 17, by Adam's trespass, death reigns. But in Jesus' life, reigns through the gift of righteousness. In Jesus' life, reigns through the gift of righteousness. Same, same, but very different, isn't it? Uh, this is the nature of the gospel, that on one hand we are born into team Adam. All of us take the test and all of us are found sinful. And the result is that of that sin is judgment and condemnation, which ultimately leads to death. And that's the path that all of humanity is born into. It's a humanity-wide reality. All of us are born into Adam's team, guilty and without hope. But it's into this hopeless situation that Jesus steps. Where we sin, Jesus is obedient, the contrast. Uh, and more than that, Jesus breaks the chain of our sin that leads to death and he instead gives us the gift of righteousness. 
So that instead of facing death, we instead receive eternal life. It's a huge step across, isn't it, to go from one to the other, vastly different. When I was a kid, I used to play a lot of sport, uh, not that it shows so much these days, uh, but usually the way that my sport happened was tagging along with my older brother. Uh, I'd go along with him and his mates. I'd join in on, on whatever sport they were playing. Uh, and as probably most people experienced in the schoolyard, uh, the team picking typically came down to picking two captains and they'd each take turns picking their teams. Now, me as the little tag-along brother, they used to call me Little Robbie, uh, and I'd tag along uh, and I never got much of a look in. I was tiny. They were all big kids and here I was just uh, in there just trying to have fun but, but not really contributing much. But I do remember one time. One time I went along and, it, you know, all happened as usual. Two captains got selected uh, and I kind of braced myself uh, to, to kind of tuck in and wait till the last person. Uh, but then the unthinkable happened. I was the first pick. It was shocking. It was unbelievable why little Robbie's brain could barely contain his excitement. And now, as best as I can tell, one of my brother's mates felt sorry for me. He just thought, hey, poor little Robbie, always left out, always left to last. I'm going to give him a little, little boost. Uh, and so out of his sheer kindness, I got picked. And I, and I got to be that first pick. And, man, did it feel good that day. And, of course, being picked had nothing to do with my skills or ability and it had everything to do with that boy's generosity. It's important for us that we recognise that Jesus has picked us for his team. But he's done that not because of any merit of our own, not because of anything we've done, but it's in his grace. We've seen that the law can't get us there. There's no way for us to earn it. Rather, in grace, Jesus has given us his righteousness. Uh, it's as though we, we've never sinned. That's how God sees us. And so we're given eternal life. It's only by putting our faith in Jesus that we can be saved. In essence, this is a really simple passage, isn't it? Uh, it's really drawing together all the things that we've already seen in Romans. And there's two teams, two representatives. You can follow after Adam. And you can follow through in sin, uh, in condemnation, in death. We can follow Jesus, who in grace transforms us from death to life, from sin to righteousness. I'm going to read again verses 18 and 19. I think they capture the heart of the passage. Now, the simplicity, uh, though there's lots of words on the screen, the simplicity of what's going on. Listen with me. Consequently, just as one tres trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Jesus is the game changer, isn't he? Uh, we started thinking in terms of personality profiles. Uh, we started uh, thinking that we'd work through this passage and we'd see the two types, Adam or Jesus, life or death. 
And it raises the most obvious question, doesn't it? Where do you fit? Which are you? Now, there may be some of you who are listening on today who've never actually worked that out, uh, who's never crossed the line. So I want to make it clear that Christianity isn't just something that you can slip into and and kind of just, oh, I got here and I don't know how. It may be a gradual process, but there has to be, there is this essential moment, a moment where you move from Adam to Jesus, Uh, a moment where you put on the jersey. That's what it's like, putting on the team jersey, calling Jesus your captain accepting him as our representative. If you haven't had that moment yet, I want to urge you to do it. There's only two places, two teams you can be on, Team Adam or Team Jesus. One leads to death, the other to life. Don't muck around with it. It it matters. The the consequences, they're eternal. That's not a threat. That's hope. The hope of life is a gift that Jesus gives us. Nothing we've earned, purely his generosity, his grace. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, grab hold of the gift. Grab it with both hands. Put on the jersey. Make Jesus your captain. There's nothing more important in this world. Of course, this is church. Uh, So many, if not most of us, have already done that. Uh, We've already signed up. We're already members of Team Jesus. We've got the jersey on. Uh, And so for us, uh, I guess we we started thinking in terms of personality tests. Uh, And I think it's actually helpful for us to take a moment and to work through the quiz, see where we land. I I remember a friend once doing a personality test. Uh, While I was there, I I watched him. It was, I thought, hilarious. Uh, he spent about 10 minutes wrestling over a question. He's just, oh, I don't know which way to go. I don't know which one I am. The question is about whether you were indecisive or not. Now, to me, his actions made it plainly clear. It was pretty obvious which one he should have been choosing, even though he wasn't sure himself. So it's worth acknowledging that when you put on the jersey and join Jesus' team, it, it, it doesn't stop there. You live it out. There's something, uh, that's something that we're going to explore more as we carry on through Romans. We'll get a a really detailed look at that. But there's a truth there that that we want to grab onto now, that being part of Team Jesus means being changed by it. Being in that team will impact uh, the way that you live. I played rugby. The team I was in gave the character of how I played. Now, I played like the team. When you're on Team Jesus, It will change your behaviour. It will impact the way you live. It's not how you're saved, uh, but it can't help but to impact you. And so as we finish, I want to take us through some characteristics, uh, characteristics that I think this passage draws out for us uh, and characteristics that I think should naturally show when we're on Team Jesus. Uh, In the intro, I mentioned the value of personality tests and showing us our blind spots, uh, showing us the places where we might not relate well with others and and that kind of thing. Uh, And so I think it's also important to let the Bible shine a light on those blind spots in our lives, the places where where we might not be relating to God as we think we are. It's worth acknowledging here that in this life we won't get things perfect. Uh, You don't have to spend very long with me to know that. Uh, 
if we haven't nailed it, if we're not perfect in these characteristics that I'm about to talk about, that doesn't mean uh, that we're on the wrong track. It doesn't mean that uh, we're in Adam and not Jesus because it's not what we do, it's what Jesus has done. But these things should raise alarms for us. If we're failing in these characteristics, uh, my hope is that that's something you want to change. And if you're on Team Jesus, that should come to us naturally, that desire to be more like the person Jesus uh, has saved us to be. Uh, So as we think on each one, uh, they should highlight some of the truths of living for Jesus and and spur us to respond. Uh, The first characteristic I want us to think about is being thankful. Uh, This passage once again reminds us that our move from death to life is only by God's grace. We we hear that a lot, uh, but we can't reflect on it enough. It's only because Jesus played down, laid down his life that we can be free of the consequences of sin. And so, of course, it's entirely appropriate, necessary for us to ask, are we thankful? Do we recognise the incredible thing that Jesus has done for us? Does it strike you regularly? how the difficulties of this life, even now uh, in in such a hard part of history, does it strike you that this incredible gift of being moving, moving from death to life outweighs it time and time again? When we properly understand the gift we've been given, it should lead us to, to a thankfulness that can't help but overflow no matter the situation. I was so encouraged last week. I assume you were too, as we heard Anne's story, as she shared with us uh, some of the things that she's been through, some incredibly hard times, stuff uh, I've never been close to. But throughout it all, she could maintain joy. Uh, She could have uh, this joyous hope in Jesus. I think that comes the more we reflect on what Jesus has done. The more we grow in that thankfulness, the joy will naturally follow. Uh, So I want to encourage you to nurture that thankfulness. That's the first characteristic. The second one, being confident. I think that's the next one to mention. Uh, It's easy uh, as a Christian to get stuck in a loop, questioning uh, whether we're good enough for Jesus. Are we really in? Have we made the cut? We've covered this a little bit over the last couple of weeks. But when we understand that our justification is nothing that we've done, it's all because of Jesus, it should give us confidence. When no one is good enough by their own merit, then there's no such thing as not being good enough. It doesn't exist. So we can take confidence in the promises of Jesus. Perhaps you noticed a line that came up a couple of times in this week's passage. It also came up in last week's passage. It was the words, how much more? So we got it twice this week and twice last week. I'll read out one of them from this week, verse 15 says, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? So the way it works, the way this expression is functioning in this verse, is that it gives us one piece of evidence that many died by the trespass of the one man. And then it says, well, if you believe Adam's sin, cause the many to die, then how can you not believe that Jesus' grace can spill out to everyone as well? Paul is encouraging us to have confidence, trust 
Jesus' actions do what he says they do. We, we see the evidence of the first part. We see that sin and death has spread. If we see that and know that's true, well, how much more can we trust what Jesus has done? And it came up again a couple of weeks ago, didn't it, that we have a guarantee here because it's not dependent on what we've done but what Jesus has done. Let that confidence free you uh, to break those cycles of, of worry uh, and to live for Jesus without fear of not being good enough. So it's characteristic two. Characteristic three uh, is being realistic. Uh, now, one of the things that this passage does is that it shows us the hard realities of this world. Uh, humanity is universally sinful. Uh, the hard part of that is that it means we shouldn't be surprised when people wrong us and let us down. Uh, there's a book written by a guy named Paul Tripp. Uh, he's written a book on marriage called What Did You Expect? That's a pretty striking title. I see, Jared and Hannah, it's not a shot at you guys. It's, but get ready for this. Uh, the book explores the notion that people uh, often have when they get married that, that things will be blissful. Once, once they get married, life is going to be great. Uh, they idealise it. Uh, but, of course, uh, anyone who's been married, uh, and as Jared and Hannah are about to find out, uh, the reality is that when, when you put two sinful people together, there is inevitably going to be hard parts. You can't escape it. That's just the reality of, of humanity. What did you expect? Now, that doesn't mean to be pessimistic. Uh, it doesn't mean distance yourself from people because you know they'll let you down. That doesn't mean we won't find real joy in people. Of course we will. Now, marriage is still every bit worth it, even with two sinful people. But being realistic means that we'll be prepared when people let us down. And it means that we'll be prepared in advance to extend the grace that Jesus has extended to us. So being realistic allows us to, to interact with that sin. We know it's coming. Now, we work hard against it, but we have grace. And so we can be realistic people, full of grace, as we relate to one another. The fourth characteristic, the last characteristic, uh, is to be compassionate. Uh, though we've talked a lot uh, in terms of Team Adam and Team Jesus, uh, and they're very combative-sounding uh, ways to talk about them, uh, I do need to say very clearly that, that we're not competitors. Uh, our goal, uh, if we're in Team Jesus, isn't to beat Team Adam. Uh, it, it's not to push them down. Uh, our goal for them is to find the same life that we found in Jesus. Uh, as we look at the world, particularly as we wrestle through the hard stuff at the moment, as emotions are so high, uh, it's tempting to feel like our fight is against Team Adam. But that's not the case, is it? Of course, we might need to stand up for Christian rights. Uh, certainly, that should be something each of us are, are thinking about at the moment, what that might look like. That's part of what Wednesday is about, uh, thinking about well, what's our role in this as, as we come head-to-head uh, -head with opposing views. But right throughout, we need to remember it's, it's not about beating their team. It's about showing them the wonderful truth that we found and, and hopefully bringing them on board. So through all of what's going on at the moment, please don't lose your compassion for the lost. Now more than ever, they need the hope that Jesus has on offer. Uh, I think one thing that we've done through this COVID stuff is we've really 
encourage you strongly to connect with other people from church, to connect with other Christians uh, through the challenges of lockdown. Uh, but we also need to remember that we have a responsibility to the lost uh, and our compassion should drive us to reach out to them, even when it's hard. For us to hit the pause button on reaching out, on showing that compassion during lockdown, well, that would be a terrible tragedy, wouldn't it? How we'll do that, how we'll reach out, how we'll show that compassion at the moment uh, will, of course, look very different from our, our normal sort of thing. Uh, we, we need to get creative. But don't let go of your compassion for the lost. Don't lose energy in trying to show them that truth. Being on, on Team Jesus will change us in all of these ways. It will shape us. Uh, and it will help us to be wary as we think through all of this where we might have blind spots. And so uh, as we finish, we've got these four characteristics to think about, being thankful, being confident, being realistic and being compassionate. Please reflect on those this week. Uh, please please shine the light. Please see if there's, there's any areas there that you need to grow in. I'm going to pray for us now that uh, each of us will work uh, hard where God points us, that he'll be active in us, shaping us, changing us. Please join with me. Lord, I want to thank you. Uh, I thank you for uh, this word, this reminder that, uh, that there are really only two paths, the path to death and the path to life. I thank you for the way. Now that in your love that you sent Jesus, that he laid down his life uh, to show us a way, to give us a way to move from death to life, from the, the line of Adam into the line of Jesus. Well, we, we are just so awestruck, so thankful for what an incredible gift that is. Uh, Lord, please help us reflect on it daily. Please help that truth to shape our lives. Uh, to bring us joy even in the tough times. And, Lord, as we think about that move from death to life, that change from Team Adam to Team Jesus, uh, we recognise that that should impact us and that should change the way that we live and that as we join Jesus' team, we'll take on his characteristics. And so we pray, uh, we pray that uh, each of those things that we talked about would be things that we uh, want to grow in, uh, that we we want to be like Jesus in those things. Lord, help us to be thankful. Help us to remember that. Lord, help us to be confident, knowing uh, the guarantee that we have in Jesus and to live uh, with that, that wonderful news and with the confidence to, to go out and, and live it out. Lord, help us to be realistic, uh, to know the truth of humanity, uh, know that we'll be let down and help us to have grace when that happens. And lastly, Lord, help us to be compassionate. Uh, help us to, to care for the lost. Uh, help us even in this particularly hard time to connect with people. Help us to, uh, to not let go of the compassion that we should have for them. Help us to do all of those things in Jesus' great name. Amen. Uh, now we're going to go to a song now, a bit of time for reflection. Uh, we're going to be looking at a song called Only a Holy God. Uh, and it, it's a good one for us to reflect on. It's only a holy God who can move us from death to life.
uh, from sinner to justified. Uh, it'll come up there. We've got a wonderful band this week that you'll see in a moment. Please sing along. You're in your homes. No one else can hear you. Sing along and we'll come back to question time in just a moment. There we go. Uh, what, how good was that? The Bell family band and Kirst got to join in as well. Thank you, wonderful Bells. That was a real treat. Uh, hopefully it gave you something to think about. Um, hopefully things are percolating. If you have any questions, now is the time. Let me do that and that so that you got the thing. So feel free to text stuff through, ask on Zoom, comment them, or just save them for Liam later on. Oh, there's no way I can read that. No. no, there's no questions there. I don't think. We've got one come in. How much change do you have to see from behaving like Team Adam to behaving like Team Jesus to be confident change teams? Mm. See Liam's sermon a couple of weeks ago where he talks about, uh, oh, was it last week? Uh, how much change do you have to see? Uh, that's a pretty dangerous question, I think. Uh, because it's not about what we've done. It's not about uh, how we've made it. But we do get pictures like in James where we get uh, that, that picture that if we have a genuine faith, there will naturally be deeds that follow. Uh, and so that's where we you talk about putting on the jersey. If you put on that jersey, if you genuinely uh, join Jesus' team, then you'll not be able to help but become like him. You'll, and, and there's a trajectory there. You'll, you know, back and forth a bit, but you'll be growing. Uh, and so I'd be pretty nervous about someone who's not interested in growing, uh, whether their faith is genuine. But, yeah, yeah. Liam's whole sermon the other week was pretty good on that. But, but yeah, I think it's got a lot to do with perseverance. Is that good? Feel free to push back, ask more if that was you and you want to. Get more. Direction, Direction not perfection. That was cursing my old pastor, minister's very common saying, Direction, not perfection. Yeah, there's a trajectory there. You'll be heading towards Jesus. Uh, and you want to ask some big questions if you're not. It's, is that Rach commenting on me being a butterfly? Yes, probably. Better. I assume it's some sort of poisonous killer butterfly, but it's hard to know. I have a question. <laughs> um, with verse 13 where it talks about um, the people before they had a, the law, is that more so like God's kind of a little bit like God's grace on people that, Kind of like how the the Jews had the law or how like almost like how pastors are judged um, harsher or whatever, like that just kind of like those levels of you don't know anything to you've got all the, the whole Bible in front of you and you've been brought up or whatever in a Jewish community. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just it comes up a few times like that they will be judged differently. Yeah, yeah. So I think it would be fair to say there's a, there's more accountability when you have that revelation, when you've got that uh, God's clearly spoken to you and you've got those commands. Uh, and so so that word, how do I get this? I'll see if I can. 
Where's 13? Let me go way back here. No, sorry. I shouldn't be trying to do this. There we go, 13. So to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. Uh, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. So there's kind of a legal language there, the charging thing. Um, uh, yeah, so so there's a clear accountability. We can use that accounting word again um, that comes with having the law. But but we never want to escape from what's been really clear through Romans that there's no one who's without excuse. Um, uh, so what does it look like? How does that judging work? Don't know, but everyone's guilty. I think there's a higher expectation on people who have that revelation. But in the end, we're all in Adam. We're all sinful. We're all heading to death. And, and that's just a reality that we need to grapple with. Does that help answer your question, Carly? Uh, it does, but I find like with... Um... In saying that, I find that really hard because it's like you've got to think of babies, people with disabilities, and just all those things that I just feel like when I read the Bible, I feel like um, God is a God of grace and mercy and he's the perfect judge. So I kind of leave it as, you know, if he wants to show mercy to an infant, then he will, but I won't. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a danger there, isn't there? So we've said, you've rightly said God is is the perfect judge, mm. and then you want to impose on him what that looks like, you, the imperfect judge. And so so we need to be really careful. Now, I, I don't know how that pans out. I don't, I don't know exactly what that means for babies. Uh, and, I, you know, there's all sorts of ideas. It's not clear in the Bible, and so we shouldn't pretend it is. Uh, I know that God is a God of mercy and grace, uh, mm. but it would be... Uh, it would be unwise for me to insist upon what that actually means when I'm not the perfect judge God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's hard, isn't it, to, to wrestle with, and it's hard because we don't have clarity. The Bible doesn't tell us the answer, and so we can speculate all we like without confirmation, and that's so it's a, a thing we have to sit with. But if we really trust God, then it should be okay to sit with it, even though that's hard. Uh, happy to keep talking. Uh, if you like, Coralie, feel free to give me a call. If you'd rather talk to a woman, Kirst would love to talk to you too. Throw her in the deep end. Any more questions come through? Ben's mocking my butterfly. No, I'll hand it back over to Liam and uh, leave you with it.